You're listening to the North Canton Chapel podcast. Thank you for joining us today. The North Canton Chapel exists to make much of Jesus every day to everyone. It's our prayer that this podcast will equip you to do just that. We believe that there's nothing like the church united together in gospel community. We'd love if you'd stop in and say hello in person if you're in our neighborhood. Our gathering times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Thank you again for joining us today. Let's listen in. Well, good morning, North Canton Chapel. My name is Sam Toman. I'm our children's ministry coordinator here. Um, and as you heard, we are finishing out our Stuck series today. And I can't help but feel a little sympathy with our turtle today. He's moving around a little bit slowly. Um, but we're not necessarily talking about getting stuck like in a boot. Um, we are getting, we're talking about getting stuck with some roadblocks in life um, that really can sometimes prevent us from taking the next step forward in our faith and being able to accomplish what God has next for us. And so these last couple of weeks, we've looked at a couple of these roadblocks. Uh, Pastors Micah and Brandon have walked us through these, and they're anxiety, shame, and fear. And so this morning, I want us to talk about a roadblock that honestly is the one that can often hinder me and the one that affects me the most in both big and small ways, and it's worry, worry. There's something for me about traveling for the first time uh, to a new place that can cause me to worry. I really enjoy traveling. I love going to visit places around the world, but honestly, it's much more comforting if it's the second time I've gone. Uh, I've, I feel like I've figured out some of the kinks. I know where I'm going a little bit better. The first time can make me a little bit worried. And so earlier this month, my wife and I took a trip to Costa Rica to visit her family. Um, they've been serving there as missionaries since my wife was 12 years old. And so this was my first time being able to go down there and see where she grew up, where she spent her teenage years. And so we were really looking forward to the trip. I really was. And it was an amazing, restful trip. But before we went, my mind did start to race with some questions that made me worry a little bit. Do we have enough packed? Okay, maybe pack a few extra pairs just in case. Um, do we have manageable connection times? Because it's an international flight, so we want to make sure we're not rushing in the airport. Okay. What if we get sick? Okay, better pack that Advil, better pack the allergy medicine. Oh man, okay, what else could go wrong? Oh, we've got to test negative to get back into the US. We've got to make sure to bring those at-home test kits. What if we don't test negative? I don't know what's gonna happen. So I ask all these questions and I tried my best, honestly, to control the outcome of everything that was worrying me. Uh, but it seemed that no matter how much I planned, no matter how much I tried to control things, uh, things were out of my hands. The, the first morning, you know, we, we book all these flights with very manageable connection times. We're sitting at CAK, and ah, magically our flight's delayed like more than two hours. So we missed every flight that day, and we missed every flight on the way back. It, it, I was like, okay, I guess I can't control that, but surely at least I have enough clothes for when I get there, right? My wife and I have enough clothes. No, the airline's going to lose our luggage on both ways as well. Okay. All right. All right. Well, at least if we get sick or something, I pack the Advil in my carry-on, so I have that. But if you end up 
fracturing your foot on a hike in a different country. I guess Advil doesn't really help, does it? So there are all these things that I, I was trying to control, and really at the end of the day, they were out of my hands. God was in control. I wasn't. Uh, I had forgotten that no matter how much I prepared, that there, I was not going to be the sustainer of my world, and I wasn't going to be the sustainer of the universe. God was. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to be starting in verse 25. You can feel free to turn there in your Bibles now. Uh, and this morning, my prayer is that we would learn that God is the sustainer of everything, so we can trust him with our worries. God is the sustainer of everything, so we can trust him with our worries. So turn in your Bibles with me, to, with me to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, and follow along as I read. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Would you pray with me? God, would you bless our time together in your word this morning, Lord? Your word is good, and it is true, and it is trustworthy, Lord. And so would you bless us as we study it, as we um, try to learn and try to remember, Lord, that you are the sustainer, not us, so we can trust you, Lord. Would you give our hearts a special peace this morning as we learn more and more to trust you, to trust your son Jesus, and to trust that your spirit is working. So bless our time together this morning, Lord. We give it to you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So before we really unpack this passage together, I want to acknowledge that over the last couple of weeks in our Stuck series, we have been talking about some difficult and personal um, topics throughout this series. And I want to remind us of a couple of house rules that Pastor Brandon helped lay out for us as we kind of look through um, these different topics. And so the first house rule was this. Any conversation around mental health should be grounded in love. Any conversation around mental health should be grounded in love. In a moment, we're going to distinguish between, between the issue of anxiety as a mental health disorder and worry, as we're going to talk about it this morning. Um, but if, I want you to know that if you are struggling with anxiety, if you're struggling with, with depression or mental health issues, I want you to know that it's our aim to have these conversations lovingly. We want to be able to walk together and hear each other in our lowest moments. And so that leads me to house rule number two, which was this. Individuals are not issues. Individuals are not issues. 
No matter what battles or problems you may be encountering in life, you are not a problem. You are not the issue. You are a person made in the image of God. And I believe that Jesus has helped to offer. I believe that the church, the body of Christ, has helped to offer you in all of these different areas. And so maybe what's next for you, maybe you need to reach out to a member of the body of Christ, whether it be someone sitting next to you or a pastor or someone on staff, and we can talk through these issues together. Or maybe your next step would be reaching out to a counseling service like Fieldstone Counseling. They're a service that we as the chapel are actually partnered with, and we help connect people to counselors there who really help walk them through scripture and help um, be able to encounter some of these mental health issues together with these professionals. And so maybe one of those is your next step. But we really want you to know that individuals are not the issue here. And so that brings us to house rule number three, and it's that dimmers are better than light switches. Dimmers are better than light switches. Uh, We acknowledge that these issues are painful, but our God is a God of light, and he is a God who reveals our deepest need, but he's also a God who gradually gives us understanding and who shows us how he is caring and how he can help us with these things, and so dimmers are better than light switches. And with those things in mind, I want us to define the word worry together this morning as we're going to be using it. Brandon taught us last week that anxiety is future set, that fear is present set, and that shame is past set. And worry, as we're going to discuss it, doesn't necessarily fit neatly into one of those categories. I think it kind of touches all of them. Our worries aren't necessarily contained to the past, present, or future in that way. Rather, worry as we're going to define it, is based in the lie that God is not in control. I am. And this isn't always a stubborn lie necessarily that we're believing. It's not like an eight-year-old believing the lie that they're in charge of picking where we go to dinner tonight. Sometimes it's this unconscious belief that says either God isn't powerful enough to be in control or God isn't loving enough to be in control. Either way, I end up functioning like the situation's up for me to handle, whether it be past, present, or future. And so the words worry, anxiety, fear, they all have these different nuances to them, and we do tend to use them in different ways. And that's why I think it's important that we define what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, If you listened and looked at the ESV text of our passage, you may notice that it uses the word uh, anxious or anxiety a couple of times. Now, there are other translations of this passage that would prefer to use the word worry. So I think it's important to ask, okay, well, what, what word's really being used here, and what does it mean? Um, there are two different potential definitions in, of the word found in our Greek text of the New Testament. There's two different definitions that could be being used here. The first one, uh, Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 12, and he talks about having the same care or concern for other members of the body of Christ. So in that definition, the way the words used is actually like a healthy concern. We want to worry for each other to a degree. We want to have concern for each other. But the second way that the word is used, and the way it's being used in our passage this morning, is the way it's also used in the story of Martha and Mary found in the Gospels. And if you remember that story, Martha's rushing around in her house trying to get all these things done, and she's all worried 
despite that the one who's in control is literally sitting in her living room. So that's the way the word worry is being used in our passage today. Now, Dr. Winfred Neely, uh, he's dean of Moody Theological Seminary, he defines worry this way, and I think it's a helpful definition. Worry is the sinful response of the human heart and mind to real difficulties and problems in life. Worry is the sinful response of the human heart and mind to real difficulties and problems in life. And so worry was the sinful response of my heart where we were running through the airport and I was snipping at my wife and I was not the kindest to people that I was interacting with. I was overcome with worry and it was the sinful response of my heart. Our, our text today shows us that we don't have to worry. We don't have to strive to grab control of everything that is going on because God is the sustainer of everything. So we can trust him with our worries. And so if we focus in in our passage on verses 25 through 30, we'll find that Jesus illustrates that God is the sustainer of creation so we can depend on him to provide for us. God is the sustainer of creation so we can depend on him to provide for us. Now, this section of scripture that we're looking at this morning is found right in the middle of a famous discourse of Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is found in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And many of you might be familiar with it. If you have a chance to read it this week in even one sitting, I think it's a very impactful discourse that Jesus has to teach us. Uh, But it's not primarily an evangelistic sermon. Like, it's not necessarily this altar call. What it is, it's a message given to those who had already heard the calling to follow Jesus and are now being instructed on how to live on mission and how to live as members of Jesus' kingdom, members of the kingdom of God. And so building up to this section of verses that we're looking at this morning, if you kind of scan your eyes through chapter 6, you you can see that Jesus is specifically talking about being set apart from the world in terms of the things that we value and in terms of the things that we place our confidence in. So we're set apart from the world. Specifically, the verse immediately preceding our passage says this, verse 24, you cannot serve God and money. And then in verse 25, where our text begins today, he says, therefore, so therefore, he's trying to point us back to what he just said, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about all these things. Jesus is teaching that we cannot rely on the riches of the world to sustain us, while at the same time be relying on God. The two things just simply don't go together. Jesus goes on to list many real concerns that we might worry about. He talks about provision for our body, our life, talks about clothing. Now, if you would, allow me to kind of lift the veil here for a moment, because most people in this room right now are not typically concerned with the issues of availability of food, drink, or clothing. And for some of you, that that may be a current reality that you're in, where you're worried about the availability of these things. And my encouragement to you, I hope it's the same as Christ's. And it's that these things are a real concern. And it's okay to have concern about the things of life, but you must not be overly concerned. 
Because Jesus knows that you need these things. Jesus knows that you need these things. And maybe there are some of you sitting here where you can remember a time in your life where you were worried about the availability of food, of water, of clothing, of the things that you needed to survive. And my encouragement to you is to remember how the Lord provided through that season, to remember how he proved himself to be faithful, and to then be generous with the body of Christ and be generous with those who are in need and who need the church to come around them in this time. And so I believe that our text is going to continue to touch on these topics, but for most of us listening this morning, the worries of life are not as fundamental as the availability of food. But there are still real concerns in our life. There are human needs in in this earthly world that we encounter every day. And these are real concerns that we have. Look at what Jesus says in verse 25. He says, Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? And the implied answer here is yes. The the kingdom of God is the greater concern. And that's what he's going to teach us. Uh, Jesus reminds us that there's a grander meaning to life than just having our needs, our personal needs, provided for. But it can be hard to see that truth when you're staring at the concern of your life that's right in front of you. Some of you are worried about your marriage. Maybe your spouse hasn't been acting the same way the last couple of weeks, or the last couple of months, or the last couple of years. Maybe you're concerned about the stunt in communication that seems to be occurring. Or maybe you're concerned about the lack of intimacy. You're concerned about what you guys are going to do as a couple. Maybe if you're a parent, I can guarantee that there hasn't been a single day that has passed where you haven't had at least some concern for your child. Maybe you're, you're worried that your five-year-old, you're wondering if your five-year-old is developing at the pace that he should be. Or maybe you're worried about whether or not your 16-year-old is using her phone in a wise way. Or maybe you're worried that your 22-year-old college student is being safe while away from home. These are real concerns of life. Jesus doesn't discredit that, but here's what he does say. He says, look at the birds of the air. Consider the lilies of the field. See, the birds of the air don't worry where their next meal is going to come from. They don't have the capacity to plan that far ahead, and they don't own a refrigerator. The lilies of the field have no ability to control how their petals will bloom. They're, They're stuck there in the ground. Yet we, as humans, have the intelligence and the gifts to plan ahead, and yet we take it, we don't use these gifts in a wise way. We instead use them to cause us to worry and cause us to forsake our dependence on God. Rather than wisely planning, we say, I've got it. It's under my control. And by doing that, we allow the flowers in our garden to live a more joy-filled life than we do. And so Jesus, in our text this morning, says that the dependence of the lilies on God makes them beautiful. King Solomon was a rich king to rule Israel, and Jesus talks about him. He had abundant wisdom. He made a magnificent temple for God, and he could afford the finest clothing. And yet, our text says 
that nothing compares to the beauty of God's creation, which must depend on God's provision every single day. And so this is Christ's encouragement to us. Look at the birds of the air. They don't worry. And are you not more valuable than them? Look at the lilies of the field. If God makes them so beautiful, if he clothes them one day and they're alive today and tomorrow they're thrown into the oven, won't he much more clothe you, O you of little faith? See, I believe that God has declared you to be valuable. If you are a believer in Christ, God is not only your creator, but he is your father. And all of us have been made in his very image. And that means that we were made to be like God. We weren't made to be concerned about the things of this fallen world. In fact, look at what he says in verse 27. He says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Now we know this. We've all heard it before. Worrying isn't going to accomplish anything. Someone's told it to us. We've told it to someone But it's hard to believe that if you're not sure that there's someone looking out for you. It's hard to believe that worrying's not going to accomplish anything if you're not sure that someone is looking out for you. If you think that you might be the only one who really fully cares about what's happening in your life. But do you realize that Jesus cares more about your life than you ever could? Jesus has declared you to be valuable. Jesus thinks that the lilies of the field are valuable enough to provide rain for. And yet flowers don't last very long. But God has decided to take care of them. And you're not just a mere flower. Jesus believes that you are valuable. And Jesus has proven that he is the God who has the ability to sustain the whole world. He can keep the birds alive. He can water the flowers. He can raise the oceans. He can bring sun when it's needed. Can he not also sustain you through the worries and the cares of your life? Over the last two years, I've had the privilege of getting to know a lady from our congregation. Um, She was in her 90s, and we met during COVID, and we had many fun phone calls together and some visits together. And towards the end of her life, she had a lot of health concerns that were worth worrying about. She was losing her ability to get around by herself. She was losing the ability to make meals for herself. She was losing the ability to breathe on her own. And I remember visiting her for the last time, and I didn't know that it was going to be the last time. Um, And she said that she was realizing that the Lord had sustained her through her whole life. And the Lord was reminding her that she didn't have to worry about these concerns of her life. But they were real and deep concerns. Uh, But he had sustained her through times of ministry, through losing family members, through tons of chaos in life. And yet God had shown her that he sustains. And so I, I remember hearing that she passed, and I was back in our children's classrooms. I was working on some stuff back there, and I was in our storage 
area, and I just sat down on the steps and was sad, but I was also thankful, and I prayed, because I was thankful that God had sustained her through her whole life, and that he had provided a peace to her, because he had shown her, and had promised her that he cared for her. And so my friend didn't need to worry about her life, because despite facing many real challenges and concerns, God had proven to be her sustainer. He had proven that he cared more about her than she cared about her. And when you're worried that God won't provide, my encouragement to you is to look to who he has proven himself to be. Look at who he has proven himself to be. And I believe that there are three ways that can kind of help us do this. And the first would be a way that our passage directly shows us. It's to observe the world around you. Observe the world around you. Look at the beauty of the world that God has created and ponder all that he has brought it through. Through tragedies, through famines, even through pandemics, through, can- through catastrophes, the Lord has sustained his creation, and it is beautiful. And so remember that the Lord is the sovereign sustainer. And the second way, as my friend did, look at the stories of your life and the stories and the lives of others to remind you that God is the sovereign sustainer. I realize that it's possible to look at me as someone who is too young to really know the full concerns of life. And to an extent, you are right, because I, I haven't encountered the full concerns that life will bring. But neither have you, and I don't believe any of us have. But all of us have stories of how God has brought us through the concerns that we have encountered. And so my encouragement to you is to share the stories of the ways that God has sustained you and to go boldly to other believers and ask them how God has sustained them. See, because the concerns of a middle schooler are not fake, cheap concerns. They are real concerns. And the concerns of a retiree are not fake concerns. They are real concerns. And so I'd encourage you to go to another person, especially someone in a different stage of life than you, whether it be older or younger, and ask them, how has God sustained you through your worries? And number three, I believe that if we look at the testimony of Scripture, we can be reminded that God is the sustainer. Look at the testimony of Scripture. God has provided for the people of God for thousands of years through extreme hardship and extreme persecution, and yet he has never abandoned them. There was a period of time where God was silent and his people felt alone, but God sent his only son, Jesus, to break through the silence. The creator God became man so that we can know that we do not have to worry because Jesus has paid the price for our sins and he's paid the price for our very lives. And so look at the testimony of Scripture because God is the sustainer of creation. We can depend on him to provide for us. And so follow along as I now read verses 31 through 33. Jesus says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all, 
But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now this section again begins with a therefore, pointing to what he just said. So Jesus is showing us that the fact that he's the sustainer of creation should lead us to the conclusion that God will certainly sustain his children. What will we drink? What will we eat? What will we wear? What will we do if gas prices keep climbing? What will we do if we end up getting COVID? What will we do if our insurance doesn't cover that bill? These are legitimate concerns. And yet, for some reason here, Jesus says not to seek after these things. He says that that's what the Gentiles seek after. Now, I'm willing to bet that 99% of us in this room are Gentiles and for what the word means. What it means is that we're just not of ethnic uh, Jewish descent. But the way Jesus is using that word here is to illustrate the people who are not a part of the family of God. And these are the Gentiles were the people who didn't worship the God of Abraham. And in fact, if you think about it, Gentiles, those who don't worship Jesus, really should have some worries. They should be worrying about these things because the gods that the Gentiles of Jesus' time worshipped are nothing like Jesus. They were mean, cruel demanding gods. They demanded gifts from their followers. But our God gives gifts. He's the gift giver, and he sustains his children freely. Our passage says, your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. He knows your health concerns. He knows your financial burdens. He knows your relational strains. See, Gentiles worship fake, demanding gods, They worship the material things of the world, and so they're forced to worry about the material things of the world. But in our modern age, I think we tend to think and look at the people of the past and think that we're far more advanced than them, so we don't have to worry, we don't have to deal with the same things that they did. We we won't fall into the same traps. See, they worshipped fertility gods so that they would have children, but we worship Instagram influencers so we can find ways to look more attractive. They worshipped gods of agriculture so that they would have the food that we need. We worship our jobs and ignore our families, all so that we can feel financially safe. See, we're not so different than the Gentiles of Jesus' time. We've all shared the false belief that we can manipulate and control the world around us to get what we want. But our God is not an impersonal God that needs Russell to wake with us being impressive to him or something. He is a personal God who is our Father, and he knows what we need before you even ask him. We already know, like the text has shown us, that he values us even more than creation, more than the birds, more than the flowers. And so our question is, if we shouldn't be concerned about these things, well, what do we put our focus on? And he answers that here in verse 33. He says, but instead of focusing on these things, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, this isn't a formula to be fulfilled, but it is a promise that God has given us. This isn't a way to get God to convince you to give you what you want or what you think you need. It's an opportunity to rest in the God who makes promises. See, if you're a child of God, a believer in Jesus, then 
God wants you to seek after the things that he wants you to seek. He promises to then take care of everything else. And to seek the kingdom of God according to scripture is to always be looking to the cross and to always be looking for opportunities to be more like Jesus and to make much of him. If you're a salesman, not only has God called you to act ethically in the way you do your sales, but he's also called you to seek out opportunities for the gospel in your workplace. If you're a parent, God's not only called you to be kind to your children, but to make sure that they know that the true kindness comes from a Savior named Jesus. See, when I was in middle school, my grandpa took me to golf lessons. And most of you haven't gone golfing with me, and you won't go golfing with me because I'm horrible at it. I didn't learn anything from those lessons. But, no, I'll go if you really want to. But I did learn a couple of interesting tips. Okay, I learned that I have the tendency, when I swing for the ball, I always would lift my head up and I'd miss the ball entirely. And so I'd end up not hitting it with my club. And what I learned from my instructor there was that I needed to keep my eye on that golf ball the entire time through my swing. And that was the only way that I was going to be able to hit that ball and hopefully get it to where I was aiming. Now, if you're like me, you might be tempted to look to the next worry of life and take your eyes off of the opportunity for the gospel that God has placed right in front of you. I don't have time for this conversation in Starbucks today. I might be late for this meeting. I don't have time to rest tonight because what if I don't get everything done on my to-do list? I won't be able to tithe for the next couple of months because we've got this big savings goal and it's really important to me and I just won't be able to do that for the next few months. But God knows what he's called you to. God knows the mission that he's put on your life and he's not unaware of the, of the consequences of that and of the worries that that might bring in your life. Maybe you will be five minutes late to that meeting. Is that really so bad? Maybe you won't get everything done on your to-do list tonight. Is that really so bad? Maybe you won't meet your savings goal in the timeline that you were hoping to. Is that really so bad? Is the kingdom of God not worth more than a polished to-do list or a house of our own? See, Jesus believed that the kingdom of God, the mission of God, was important enough to lay down his life for, that you were important enough to die for. And he knew that the Father would take care of him. And so seek the mission of God and count everything else as secondary. God has not promised to give you everything that you want, but he has promised to give you all that you need. Sometimes what we need is less than what we think, but God is the sustainer of his children, so we can trust that he will be a caring father. And listen to what verse 34 of our passage says. It says, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. God is the sustainer of each day, so we can trust him with our worries. God is the sustainer of each, days, of each day, so we can trust him with our worries. See, for the believer in Jesus, there is literally no benefit in worrying. 
but not a day goes by that my heart isn't tempted to worry about something. And Christ acknowledges that the concerns of life are many, and yet he says, do not worry. See, that bill, that big bill that you're worried about, whether or not you'll be able to pay it, it might come in the mail next week. And maybe you won't immediately know how you're going to pay it. And God isn't saying don't prepare for it, but he is saying that that day isn't today. So let's worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, and today, today. But personally, I'd like to worry about tomorrow, today. That way I don't have anything to worry about tomorrow. But it doesn't work like that, does it? I always find something to worry about the next day. I always find something to worry about the next day. But God is the one who sustains every day, and he makes every day new. Now, earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, I believe that Jesus equips us with a model of prayer of how to overcome worry. A model that I believe is the same antidote that you and I need today for our worries. So if you would, flip back in Matthew chapter 6 to verse 7. And we're going to read Matthew 6, verses 7 through 13. It says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, many, to many of you, these are familiar verses. Perhaps you memorized them in Sunday school or you prayed it together as a family growing up. This is called the Lord's Prayer. And it's recorded here in the Sermon on the Mount. And I think that there are a number of similarities that are quite interesting between um, the Lord's Prayer and Jesus' teaching about not worrying about how to overcome worry. First, you might observe that he says that believers shouldn't be like Gentiles in the way that we act or in the way that we pray. We shouldn't be like unbelievers in that way. Second, Jesus says that our Father knows what we need before we ask. Third, Jesus prays that the kingdom of God would expand. And fourth, Jesus talks about providing, about God providing for the essentials in life. And so the Lord's Prayer is a model of prayer that shows us how to practically apply Jesus' lesson on overcoming worry. Jesus' prayer teaches us that God is the sustainer of each day so we can give him our worries. See, I believe that God's given us the gift of prayer so that we will not have to be consumed with worry. And I believe that he's given us things like the Lord's Prayer to prompt us in our prayer life so that we can look at a model of how Jesus prayed even when we feel stuck, like we can't even pray, like we can't give our worries to God. Now, I'm not suggesting some formula that just says you ought to pray your worries away. It's not what Jesus is saying. I believe what we're trying to uncover this morning is what the Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4. Look at Philippians 4, 6-7. They'll come up on the screen. Paul says, Do not be anxious about everything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul tells us, as Jesus tells us, that when we're worried, 
to turn to our Father in prayer. Now, this isn't just some way to express our feelings, but it's a supernatural moment in which we are speaking to our Father, our omnipotent creator, and he hears us, and he responds, and he acts. It doesn't necessarily mean that if we're late on our credit card payment, that God will necessarily provide a way out of that debt immediately. But it does mean that we can count on God to give us a peace that surpasses all understanding, because we can be confident in him through every trial, through every worry of our days, And my concern for the church today is that we don't know how to trust God because we don't know how to talk to God. We should be praying the reality of our lives to our Father because he cares about what it is that we have to say. God doesn't want some meaningless chant that you don't even think about at the dinner table. He he wants you to talk to him. He wants to hear your concerns and worries of your life. And when we pray to him, He responds, he moves, he acts. God wants to hear you the way a caring father wants to hear his precious child. And so when you feel like there's no one that hears you, when you feel like there's no one you can talk to your concerns about, when you feel like there's no one that has your back, crush that lie with prayer to your father. Sometimes we worry because we doubt that God is even there. We, we doubt that God's really hearing us, or at the very least, we doubt that he cares to hear us. And this unbelief has been a sin that the church has struggled with, that believers have struggled with since the garden. All of us, to some extent, have asked the question, God, can you hear me? And too many Christians ask this alone without knowing what the gospel says about it. Because you are not alone. You have the body of Christ to encourage you. And you have the Spirit. You have Jesus to teach you. No, you are not alone. Because God wants you to know him. He doesn't want you to be alone. He sent his Son so that you may know that you are not alone. So that you may know that he is a caring God. For some reason I can't comprehend, God has chosen to reveal himself to me and to make me his son. If you are a believer in Jesus, he has made you his son or his daughter, and he cares about you. And when we come to him, he hears us and he acts. And so in a moment, here's what we're going to do. The Lord's Prayer is going to come up on the screen, and I'm going to ask that we stand and read it together. And then I'm going to give us a few seconds after we read it to pray our own prayer to God, to use the Lord's Prayer as a prompt. Maybe you hear the words about Jesus seeking the kingdom of God and you pray to God about an opportunity for the gospel in your life. Or you hear the prayer, give us this day our daily bread, and you think, God, these are the needs that I have. I encourage you to give them to him this morning. So if you would, please stand with me and read from the screens the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now take a moment and pray silently to your Father.
Father God, we give you the concerns of our life, Lord. Lord, I know that there are people sitting here this morning that are hurting, and they're worried, Lord. They're worried about their health. They're worried about their loved ones. They're worried about whether or not their family will reconcile. They're worried about something that stands in their way tomorrow, Lord, and you are not unaware of these things. God, you know our worries. And Lord, so we ask that you take them from us, that you would relieve us of these worries, Lord. Would you show us your plan? Would you show us that you've given us your son, Jesus, who is greater than all of our worries and who died for our very souls? So Lord, make us not to worry. Make us to trust in you today because you are good. We thank you so much for being a good God who gives us your gospel. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the North Canton Chapel Podcast. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please share this episode with your friends or spread the word on social media. If you subscribe and leave a five-star review, it goes a long way to helping us make much of Jesus every day to everyone who hears these podcast episodes. You can also donate to this ministry at nchapel.com forward slash give. Thanks again for joining us. May you go out into your places and spaces, making much of Jesus every day to everyone.